Hello, my name is Lori. This is my church. And today I will be reading from Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights, for his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day, for his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and the stars to rule over the night, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, for his steadfast love endures forever. And brought Israel out from among them, for his steadfast love endures forever. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea into two, for his steadfast love endures forever. And made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his steadfast love endures forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down great kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. And killed mighty kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites, for his steadfast love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, for his steadfast love endures forever. And gave their land as a heritage, for his steadfast love endures forever. A heritage to Israel, his servant, for his steadfast love endures forever. It is he who remembered us in our low estate, for his steadfast love endures forever, and rescued us from our foes, for his steadfast love endures forever. He who gives food to all flesh, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his steadfast love endures forever. Well, good morning and welcome to the weekly gathering of Christ Community Chapel. My name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors here. And I'm so glad you're here with us this weekend, whether you're here in the West service or over in the East service or watching online. Thanks for spending time with us this weekend. Hey, while I'm on the subject of being thankful, also thank you for the way you responded last week when I uh, asked you to consider serving on our Thursday night services, which are launching this fall on September 
14th. Remember last week I asked you to consider uh, taking it upon yourself to care enough about uh, medical professionals or those in the service industry, families with children who play sports on the weekend, or any number of people for whom weekend worship services are simply not possible. And I asked you to consider whether or not you would have time and interest in serving on Thursday night so that they could gather. Our, our staff team has been working incredibly hard on getting ready for Thursday night services, but the truth is uh, they are dependent. We are dependent on you. We need door greeters. We need people who will tell children about God's love for them, production volunteers, worship volunteers, so many roles uh, that we need filled because Thursday night is an entirely new thing. And I'm so thankful for so many of you that stopped by the Next Steps area and said, hey, I have time. What can I do to help? The good news is for those of you that didn't do that, you get a second chance this week. So if you're feeling bad, you know, you're thinking, oh, I should have done that. I agree, you should have done it. And you can do it after this service by stopping by the Next Steps area. Listen, we, we really believe that there are a great many people in Northeast Ohio who need, need to hear about God's love for them in Jesus. For who, and they're just not going to do it on the weekend. But on Thursday night, they just might. And we really do need you to say, hey, I have an hour, I have an hour and a half, once a month, a couple times a month, whatever your rhythm is, you can go to the Next Steps area and say, here's the time that I have, here are the skills and gifts that I have, or you can, like me, you can go and go, here's the time I have, and I have very little skills and gifts. We will find a role for you. Listen, the, the burden to find a place for you is on us. We just need you to say you're willing. And thank you so much for doing that already. Thank you for those of you in advance who are going to go do it uh, today. We're really excited about what God's going to do this fall. I'm also excited to continue our sermon series going through the Psalms as we learn to pray our hearts to God. As we learn to pursue intimacy with God. The idea that God fully knows us and fully loves us. And that we really step into that as we pour out our actual hearts to God, as, we're, as we become increasingly unafraid to say, I'm, I'm lamenting, I'm mourning, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm happy, I'm joyful, I'm sad, whatever it is that we learn to come to God with how we really feel and who we really are, so that when he returns those with love, we know he's loving the real us, not a version of us, but the real us, how we really are. What a wonderful God to provide us these psalms to get us there. We're going to continue that. So if you have a Bible, would you take it out and open it to Psalm 136? Uh, take out your phone, your tablet. If you're watching online, pull up that web browser and get to Psalm 136. By the way, if you don't have a Bible or don't know your way around the Bible, let me say, I'm so glad you're here. I imagine if you don't know your way around the Bible, it was pretty, probably a pretty big step for you to come this weekend. I'm so glad you took that step. And I want you to know we make Bibles available to you here in the West service in the pew in front of you and in the East service in the back of the room. And I actually use one of those Bibles. So I can tell you that today's reading is on page 487 and page 488. So you don't have to know your way around the Bible. You just can count and get there. And by the way, just so you know, if you're new, the Bible has a table of contents. So anytime you show up at a Bible study, a program, an event, anything we're doing here, for which you're always welcome, if we reference something in the Bible, you can find it just by 
going to that table of contents and getting there, you don't have to say anything. Everyone will just think you're a real pro, okay? Use that table of contents. Psalm 136, and I wanna use three points to guide our time together, and they're gonna go like this, very simple. I wanna talk about what we need to hear, why we need to hear it, and where we go to hear it, okay? What we need to hear, why we need to hear it, and where we go to hear it. All right, let's start with the first one, what we need to hear. One of my favorite things that we do here at Christ Community Chapel is have the scripture read. I love seeing regular church members just read the Bible. I love being in a church where for three minutes, we'll just sit and listen to the Bible be read. And one of the things you noticed while that was read so wonderfully is that it repeats itself a lot. In fact, I, uh, I read one guy this week who said, if you're ever challenged to memorize a psalm by someone, you should pick this one because if you memorize one line, you've already got half of it down. Okay, just FYI. Uh, it, is, it, is a, it is actually a call and response psalm, meaning its usage in worship is designed that the worship leader would read the first line and then we would respond back to him or her by saying, the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. Line, repeat, line, repeat. The repetition is not accidental, it's intentional. The writer is wanting us to learn something and not just learn it, but to bury it in our minds and in our hearts. It's one of the reasons we repeat things, right? To remember them. And the writer is wanting to lodge this idea in our heads and in our hearts. And this idea is very simple. He wants us to know that the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. Now, if I put that in modern day language, we might say that God's love for you will never stop. That's the idea. God's love for you will never stop. God's love for you will never stop. That's what he's repeating over and over and over again because that's what he wants us to take away. That's what he thinks we need to hear. But I want you to notice it isn't just any kind of love that he's talking about. It's dangerous when you talk about love because it's one of those words that just can mean so many things, right? And so when we say God's love for you will never stop, you think, okay, yeah, fine, you know, God, he loves me, I get it. But no, 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 it's a particular kind of love here. I want you to, in fact, notice three things the writer says about this love. Three things, when he says God's love for you will never stop, he means three particular things. The first is that he means it's a specific kind of love. It's a specific love. This psalm is not about the idea that God loves everyone. Although it's certainly true that God loves everyone, that's not what this psalm is about. This psalm is about God's love for specific people. Let me put this in the context that you maybe can better understand. Uh, right now, we have over 400 kids in our children's ministry right now during this service. And I love all of those kids. I mean, I'm, I'm very excited that they're here. I, I think our, our children's ministry is awesome. 
I'd like to consider myself a champion for them. That's why I unabashedly tell you to sign up to help on Thursday nights. Amazing stuff is going on there. But there are two kids in particular there that I love specifically. I love them way more than I love your children. (laughs) Right? Because they're my kids. And not only do I love them because they're my kids, but I love them with a specific kind of love. I know them. I know their names, I know their interests, I know how they receive love, I know how to make them smile, how to make them laugh, I love them specifically. I love all the kids, generally. I love those two specifically. Here in this song, the psalmist has in mind God's specific love for his people. The first thing he talks about in the first nine verses is God's love for humanity, that God has created a universe that's the perfect place for people to live. But right after that, you'll notice he jumps into God's delivering Israel from Egypt. God's making the promised land inhabitable for Israel. In fact, there's this beautiful passage at the very end where the psalmist gets ultra specific. There in verse 23, he says, it is he who remembered us in our lowest state. Verse 24, and he rescued us from our foes. This is God's specific love for his people. The second thing is is a powerful love. Now it's powerful in, in two ways. The first is that it's God's love and God is powerful. It is a universe shaping, universe creating love. Science tells us that Our world, our earth, is fine-tuned for human existence. That if we turn the dial a little left or a little right, just a little, in any direction, in any number of categories, we couldn't live here. But instead, earth is custom-made for human flourishing. That's because the earth exists out of the overflow of God's powerful love. But also what the writer has in mind here is that because God is loving a specific people, he is leveraging his power for them. He rescues them from Egypt. He he defeats their enemies. He provides a place for them. When the writer says God loves you and he'll never stop, he means God loves you and he knows exactly what you need. And he's leveraging his power with specificity to love you in the exact way you need. And then the third thing he says about God's love is that it doesn't quit. It doesn't stop. In this psalm, there's a progression of time. We go from creation to the exodus to the promised land. For the psalmist, The only Bible he would have had at this time would have been the first five books, the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He walks through that entire story. Genesis, God creates. Exodus, God delivers. Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, God establishes. And he tells us that the one common thread that combines those five books is the love of God. The promise-making, promise-keeping, never-stopping, faithful love of God. And if you've read the, the first five books of the Bible, you know this is true. Because Israel rises and falls. They have good days and bad ones, faithful days and faithless ones, obedient days and disobedient ones. But the engine that drives the biblical story forward is not them. It's the faithful 
love of God. It's the promise-making, promise-keeping, never-stopping love of God. And what the writer wants to do is provide us with the repetition we need to remember this. God loves you. Yes, he loves all people, but he loves you. And his love is leveraging his power to give you exactly what you need. And whether you're having a good day or a bad one, whether you're at your best or you're at your worst, he will never stop. That's what we need to hear. But why? Why is that what we need to hear? Well, that's actually my second point, why we need to hear it. Well, there are, you know, I said that we repeat things in order to learn them, and that's true, but there's a second reason we repeat things, and that's in order to not forget them. People always ask me, Pastor Zach, how do you get up on Sundays and preach with no notes in front of you? And the answer to that is I'm obnoxious all week. Okay, I preach and re-preach my sermon constantly. Okay, constantly. I'm muttering to myself in the shower, on the lawnmower. Whatever I'm doing, I am preaching this sermon to myself. I asked my wife this morning, hey, what's that like when I'm preaching? And she said, well, I just feel like by the time I get there on Sunday, I've already heard it. <laughs> we, we decided a couple years ago to never make plans on Saturday night because we'd go to dinner with another couple and somehow everything they said would remind me of something in my sermon. And Amy would say, you know what, now they don't need to come tomorrow because you preached it at dinner, right? But the reason why I'm repeat, repeat, repeating it to myself that way is because I don't want to forget it. In that crucial moment when I need to be ready, I want to have it there. That's what the writer has in mind. Because I understand if you've spent any time in the Bible, the idea that God loves you and will never stop is a basic biblical concept. It's like Bible 101. And I know it might be tempting to say, well, well, I got that. But if you understand yourself at all, you know it's also maybe the easiest thing in the Bible to forget. Tell me if this cycle sounds familiar. Often when we get afraid, afraid we're going to miss out on something, afraid we're not going to have what we need, afraid our marriage won't make it, our children won't make it, our career won't make it. When we get afraid, that's when we begin to doubt God. Maybe not consciously, maybe subconsciously, we begin to wonder if he's really going to come through for us, if it would really be wise to depend on his coming through. And as we begin to doubt God, we begin to mistrust him. And when we mistrust him, it doesn't make sense to listen to him. What makes sense is to listen to ourselves. So we tend to take matters into our own hands. I will save my marriage. I will save my children. I will come through financially. I will make a way for myself. And oftentimes, that doesn't work. In fact, not only does it not work, it goes against what God said, so that when it doesn't work, you feel guilty. You feel ashamed. I was afraid, I doubted, I didn't trust, I disobeyed, now I've made a mess. And because you feel guilty and ashamed, there's a distance between you and God. The last place you want to go is go running to God because that would mean saying, I did it again. And if you say, wow, where did you come up with that cycle? That sounds so familiar. It, that cycle is from my own life. 
When I get afraid, it's easy to doubt. When I doubt, it's easy to not trust. When I don't trust, it's hard to obey. When I don't obey, I always make it worse. And when I make it worse, I feel guilty and ashamed. And there's distance between God and me. And in that moment, what I have fundamentally forgotten is that God loves me and he will never stop. So the writer of Psalm 136, it knows he's not being revolutionary. He knows he's not being cutting edge or new. He knows also, however, because he knows himself that it's so easy to forget that what he's offering us is a refrain that would remind us in those moments of fear, in those moments of doubt, in those moments of mistrust, in those moments of, of guilt and sin and shame and distance, God loves you. Yes, you and his love will leverage his power for you and he will never stop the idea here is repetition for when we are tempted to forget so even though it's basic it's hard to hold on to but the danger when I say that is that maybe what you hear me saying is that we should memorize Psalm 136 in some way and then repeat it to ourselves like a mantra. Like the way we move forward is through force of will, force of discipline, for the, the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever, for the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. But I don't think that's what Psalm 136 has in mind. Because you see, if all it took was me reminding myself of God's love, I wouldn't ever end up in that cycle in the first place. If I was capable of holding on to, of, of, of convincing myself that God loves me specifically, that he leverages his power for me, that he, he will never stop, well, then I wouldn't fear and I wouldn't doubt, and I wouldn't mistrust, and I wouldn't disobey, and I wouldn't feel guilty, and I wouldn't feel distance. I think what the writer of Psalm 136 has in mind is not that you and I would sing it to ourselves, but that we would find someone who can sing it to us. And that is actually my third point. Where do we go to hear this? Where do we go to hear this? Where can we find someone who would sing this to us in my weakness, in my moments of fear and doubt and discouragement? Who will sing this to me? There's a great story in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 20. You, you don't have to turn there. I recognize that's a hard one to find for, for any of us in the Bible. But also it's going to be on the screen behind me in just a minute. But there's this great story in 2 Chronicles 20. It's about the people of Judah, and their king at the time is King Jehoshaphat. And while Jehoshaphat is king, Judah finds itself in a particularly challenging era in which three different tribes have joined forces against them. So they are headed into war, but not against one enemy, not two, but three. Three tribes working together, and as a result of that, they stand no chance. They are in a moment of intense fear. In fact, listen to the prayer of Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. This is what he prays. O oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them 
For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I love the honesty of that. We are powerless. This is the king, right? This is the king. This is not a random citizen. This is the king saying, we are powerless against this great horde. He's saying, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And you can read that as a statement of faith, and it probably is to some degree, but you can also read it as a statement of of fear. God, if you don't do something, we lose. If you don't do something, we die. You can hear the beginning of that cycle, fear into doubt, into mistrust. We are powerless, God. What are you going to do? Well, in response, a prophet answers the king. We're going to skip this section. You can read it on your own later if you're interested. But a prophet answers the king and says, hey, God will be faithful. God will provide the victory. The prophet reminds the king that the engine that moves the biblical story forward is not the wisdom or strength of kings. It's not the wisdom or power of an army. It's God's faithfulness to make promises and keep them. And he tells the king, God will do that again. You will win. But what's interesting is that even when the prophet says that, the next day you have to wake up, grab your helmet, grab your sword, and go to battle. So that, it's great to hear that, but that doesn't mean anything really the next day when you get up and you go to battle. So I want you to hear what Jehoshaphat does in response to the message that he gets. You can find this in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20. This is what it says. And... <clears throat> And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe his prophets and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. Now we'll read the end of it in just a second, but I want you to see what's happening. So Jehoshaphat gets up the next day and he goes to a group of guys and he goes, boys, you're going to lead the army. And they say, oh, great, awesome, right? Let's, let's get our gear. And he goes, no, 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 you don't need your weapons. And they go, oh, did we get new weapons? We got some, like, new technology? Ah, Jehoshaphat, good time to break out the new technology. He goes, well, not really. And he hands them instruments. And he, he gives them their church clothes. And he says, here's what I want you to do. You're going to walk in front of us, in between us and our enemies. And you're going to sing. And that's how we're going to move forward. Can you imagine that? So wait, well, let, me get, let me get this right. You want me to put my, my body between the army and three tribes, a great horde, and you want me not to have weapons, but you want me to sing to give everyone else courage to move forward. Yes, you've got it. I can see those guys in the front, in my imagination, this is how it happens, that if I were them, I would say, okay, I would grab my instrument and my song sheet, tie my tie, and then I would turn my back to the army that we're fighting and walk forward like this. For one simple reason, I'd rather take an arrow to the back of the head than to the face. 
So you can visualize these guys walking backwards, looking at the army, and their only job is to sing over the army, the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. Keep going. The steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. Keep walking. Don't look at them. Don't look at them. Look at me. The steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. The steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. And they march into battle this way. And I want you to hear what happens. This is how the story ends. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah so that they were routed. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end to the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. When Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked toward the horde and behold, there were dead bodies lying on the ground. None had escaped. God had already won the battle because the engine that moves the biblical story forward is the faithfulness of God. You see, the writer of Psalm 136 isn't equipping us with a mantra that we repeat to ourselves. He's saying the only way you're going to move forward to face the hordes in your life is if somebody puts themselves between you and your enemies, looks you in the eye, and says, don't look at them, look at me. The steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. And friends, that's exactly what Jesus Christ does. Jesus places himself between us and our enemies. Jesus places himself between us and sin, us and death, us and judgment. He puts himself on the front lines. He walks with no weapons, no armor. He walks looking at us, not even looking ahead, looking at us and saying, don't look at that, look at me. The steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. Jesus says, God loves you, you specifically. Yes, he loves all people, but he loves you specifically. I've come to lay down my life for you. I've come to make a place for you, to make a way for you. Jesus says, God loves you with a powerful love. If you doubt that, watch as I lay down my life for you. And watch as three days later I rise again. And God loves you, Jesus says, with a never stopping, never giving up love. And if you ever doubt that, know this, that after I rose from the dead, I ascended into heaven. I sat down as the king of heaven and I daily make intercession for you. And I will never stop until you live here with me. Friends, Psalm 136 is not for you to repeat to yourself. Psalm 136 is for you to be aware of what Jesus sings to you. What Jesus says to you, God loves you with a powerful, specific, never-stopping love. I don't know what your hoard is. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what enemy is in front of you that has you saying, God, if you don't do something, I stand no chance. But I do know that Jesus' message to you is don't look at that. Look at me. Don't look at that. 
Look at me. God loves you with a never stopping, never giving up kind of love. That's what Psalm 136 is there to remind us about. I don't know what you're facing, but I do know there's a singer who goes before you, who places himself between you and that horde, whose mission is to lead you forward in faith because the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. Let's pray together. Father God, what a good God you are that even though, even in 2 Chronicles, they, they should have known. I mean, how many times had you come through? How many stories could they have told? But in your patience and in your kindness, you didn't rebuke them. You, you didn't challenge them. You didn't abandon them. You just told them, trust me, my love endures forever. And isn't that our story, God, that you could have dismissed us, abandoned us, rejected us, but instead in your son Jesus, you have proven that your love endures forever. God, would you work this into our, into our minds and our hearts? Would you, would you sing this over us in such a way that in those moments of fear, and those moments of doubt, we might find the courage to move forward, not because of us, but because the engine of our own stories is your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.